Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk today about the kingdom of God again, because that's what we're supposed to be preaching, is the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your reach, but you actually have to reach out for it. You have to seek it. That's what Christ said. I'm not making this up. You have to seek it. You say you believe in Christ, but are you doing what he said? Because if you're not doing what he said, then you don't really believe in Christ. You have an idea in your head, and that's very close to idolatry, because you believe in your idea, but you're not actually doing what Christ said to do, which was the love that's all about. And so we ask the question, does God hate you? Because if you're not doing the will of the Father, if you're doing something absolutely contrary to the will of the Father, if you're doing something that makes the Word of God to none effect, you're actually fighting against Christ. You're going against Christ, against His ways. And He is going to hate you, like Esau. And we talked earlier this morning about Esau eating the red porridge. What red porridge? People have tried to explain this a lot of different ways, but it's the Adama porridge. It's the flesh of your brother porridge. He's selling his birthright for benefits. Isn't that how they got into the bondage of Egypt? They sold themselves for the benefits of Pharaoh. Now, the benefits of Pharaoh in those days... Pharaoh had accumulated, because he had foresight, to put up huge stores of grain because he knew a famine was coming. He knew there was a famine coming because he had a dream. And he had asked Joseph what the dream meant. Now, if Joseph was still at home with his family, he would have told them, hey, there's a famine coming. And they would have prepared. They failed to prepare. Because they didn't know. Because they had sold their brother into bondage. Have you sold your brother into bondage so that you can have benefits? Do you eat the red porridge of Esau? Because God hates Esau. Are you like the Nicolaitans? God hates the error of the Nicolaitans and the ways of Balaam. Now, I saw in a couple of articles that went out, uh, one, they talk about Ron and Carol uh, being Ron Paul, uh, and one of their granddaughters uh, left the GOP uh, convention, which this author refers to as the snake pit, uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, and... Uh, they went to get onto an airplane in Clearwater, and eight TSA agents descended upon them and ordered them uh, not to board the private plane. Uh, why? Because the, there was a presidential candidate, <laughs> Romney, in the area, and they, they were worried that the plane could be used as a bomb. This is Ron Paul's plane. <laughs> The pilot made a comment. He says, well, full of fuel, the whole plane's a bomb. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, 
evidently uh, Carol refused to cooperate, and they eventually started backing off. But, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. There's a number of absurd stories that I see going on today. And these could be great distractions, and I don't want to mention them uh, because uh, of the distracting aspect of the story. But there was a story of a fellow who's in prison, I think it was up in Massachusetts. Uh, he thought he was a girl, so he started having a sex change operation and taking the injections, hormones, etc., and everything. Uh, but during this period of time, he also got married to a woman. And during the course of his marriage, decided that he needed to kill her and did so. And was caught and convicted. But because he's now in prison, he hasn't been able to finish his sex change operation. And he wants the taxpayers to pay for it. And so he sued for, the, for his right to be a woman, <laughs> which is like a Monty Python skit. You, you can't have babies. You don't have a womb. <laughs> so, fight for his right to have babies. Yeah, he, fight for his right to have babies. That was the skit. Was that Monty Python or? Uh, it was Monty Python. Yeah, and uh, it's a it's kind of funny. You have to love English humor in order to enjoy it. But uh, but the fact is, that this is real life, and a judge rules that he has the right. To force you, the taxpayers, to pay for his operation, and and they go on and the the state is contesting this, and they're going to fight it in court and, and appeal it. And they said that they hope that common sense will eventually rule out, uh, you know, overrule the situation and, and win out. Well. What's going to happen is lawyers are going to get rich in this battle. Why is there even a discussion of the matter? <laughs> it's insane. But your society has become insane, and not just in those ways, in many ways, many more subtle ways. Uh, in an article by uh, Chuck Baldwin, he's quoting uh, someone by the name of Skusen, who wrote, and he agreed with him to some degree, the sagacity of his article. He says uh, uh, his condensed version of what had been written was that people are, in America are no longer worthy of liberty. Americans are lazy about finding the truth. They are interested in being entertained, even on our own network. Many of the people who have joined the network or, or like some email group, you know, entertain me, you know, give me something to read because uh, I'm bored. They aren't seeking the kingdom. They aren't interested in seeking the kingdom. They're see seeking self-righteousness, want to feel self-righteous. And we see that in some of the posts of some of the people. And we have no power over, you know, who comes on to the groups. And we do have some power over the fact that if someone is not there on the group for the purpose of the group and they start disrupting things, we can moderate them. You know, we don't moderate them in the rest of the world, but just on the groups that we created. It's just like I build a porch, and you can come on my porch, knock on the door and come in. But if you misbehave and start disrupting the family, we're going to kick your 
her in out of the porch. You're not going to be on the porch. We built the porch. You can have the rest of the world <laughs> go and create your disruption, but you're not allowed to come in and disrupt our family. And we have a purpose, and it's well published. We're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you want to do that, too, you can join the email network. Now, when you join the email network, you have successfully joined an email network. That's it. That's all you've done. That's all you've accomplished. You aren't necessarily seeking the kingdom yet. You're just seeking to be on an email network. Now, if you want to get anywhere on that network, you have to actually connect with somebody who can see who's on the group. Someone who is a point where other people are connecting and they are on the, the uh, personal contact minister group. They're connected with all the other personal contact ministers. And some of the men who do that and some of the women who do that actually connect with each other, get to know each other, talk with each other, drive all the way over to other states and visit with them, come to the Burning Bush Festival, our fall festival, and have come to other meetings, like in Missouri. And they've got to meet each other, and they talk about kingdom, and they think about kingdom, and they discuss kingdom, and they discuss what this gospel of the kingdom was all about. And they interact with one another, and then they go back to their local areas in Tennessee and in Missouri and in Wisconsin and Illinois and the different places that they are located and they will be a focal point where if you want to connect with other people, they have the list of who else is on the groups. And if you want to share your information with them, they'll have that. And if they find more people, they will connect you two together. And if you come together on this network with the intention of helping one another, not consuming one another, not eating out the substance of one another, but helping one another, then that spirit will begin to bear fruit. But if you think you can do like the world where you just, you know, elect somebody and sit back and let him do everything, it's not going to happen. And I told some stories about sheep on uh, blog talk just before the show and you can go listen to it how they naturally gather together in a network out in the fields out on the range and they learn to stick together and it only works not because they have authoritarian leaders or TSA officers going around checking on everybody <laughs> or any of that they, it works because every member of the flock works at staying together. They keep track of their leader. You'll see them grazing. One sheep, next one, just evenly spaced right next to it. You know, and if they're really out in strange and dangerous area, they'll actually be touching each other. And then the next one, and the next one, and the next one, right in a row. And each one slightly behind the leader and the one next to it, you know, like a flock of geese flying. And they organize themselves that way. Geese are a perfect example. Natural networks in society that serve a purpose that you, you, 
it would take a physicist to figure out that if we fly right in this formation, flying will be easier for most of the ducks <laughs> or geese because of the, the wind as they travel. It was slightly easier for each one behind. And there's a leader out there. Did they elect them? It's something natural that he ended up as leader, a little bit stronger flyer, because he's going to get the full force of the fight, and there's nobody helping him. And he's actually uh, will feel a little drag of the group behind him. But then after a while, if you watch the geese uh, flying, sometimes the leader will drop back and take another position where it's not so hard to fly. He won't be in the front. This is the same way in the congregations of record. You will need each other, but you need to have a huge network of independent people that come together not for what they will receive, not for the red porridge benefits that they will get, but because they want to give a little bit. That's just in their nature. Each of you are leaders in that giving. Each of you must choose to give accordingly, to help one another. That early church was the entire social welfare system of Christians. There were all kinds of welfare systems around at that time. Rome had them. Judea had them. But they actually worked together to form a social network based on faith, hope, and charity. When, uh, when Skosin, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but anyway, uh, said that uh, Americans are too lazy in finding the truth, Jeff Baldwin writes, my take differs only slightly from Skosin's. I believe when the crisis comes, people will not be able to relocate. He's talking about uh, get out of the cities, which is why the Lord is inspiring people to relocate now and why the gathering of the eagles is already taking place here in Montana, Flathead Valley, and in other places. The problem is, is that many of those people that are escaping the cities now are just fleeing out of fear and anxiety. Now, some of them are maybe coming for the right reason. Maybe they're actually following the Spirit of God in their hearts. But that isn't the way that the early church operated. Now, certainly the early church was helping one another. We see that when there was a dearth in the land, that there was uh, people who gathered up funds and sent it by way of the church ministers to help people out who were having trouble all over because of economic difficulties and shortages and famines and what have you. They were a network of charity. They were not eating of each other's flesh. They were freely giving. They saw that they had no coat or they had not enough food or they needed assistance, and they shared. This was the message of John the Baptist. Share. Not just get wet in baptism, but actually share freely, willingly, efficiently in a network of charity. That's what they were doing. 
They were feeding each other willingly. Here, eat of my flesh. I give it freely. I give you a portion of the sweat of my brow to take care of your needs because I see you have a true need. If I see you not have a true need, I won't give to you. The world will give to you whether you have a true need or not. I was talking to somebody whose father just got out of prison recently. He'd been in time and time again, usually for DUIs. He doesn't have a license. He hasn't had one for a long time, but he keeps getting these DUIs. He's an alcoholic. And I think he, I don't remember, it was nine months or something like that. He just been in jail. And he's out again. Where's he working? No, he's not. The government's paying for him. He can't get a job. He's a felon. He's been in jail. He just got out. I guess he's in his 50s. This is the way, this is the, what's going on out there. People who are promiscuous and have children by a half a dozen different people, they're paid. They're given money. They're, they're, they're on the government welfare. There was government welfare in the days of Moses, but it was based on free will offerings. And it was provided by the Levites, who were tied to according to their service. And they helped out the widows and orphans and needy of their society. But in the days of Herod, they had turned that system of welfare into a compelled system of welfare where you had to pay in. Everybody had to pay in. So at first it seems like, okay, if everybody has to pay in, we can provide these benefits, and I don't have to pay in as much. I won't have to give as much because everybody's going to pay their fair share. And it sounds good at first, it's a compulsory offering, but what happens is that the powers that can force those offerings begin to squander. They become not shepherds, but predators. And this is what we were talking about with the sheep. The range sheep who freely roam on the range. Like I said, we, our gates are not shut. They're just out there. They can, they can walk out the gate any time they want. And before, when we had some farm flock sheep mixed in with them, they sometimes did. But they they roam around. They, they go together. They stick together. They go this way around this creek, and then they go across this bridge, and then they go over to the sweet clover, and then they come back around, and then they go up in the hill. And they, who's the leader? How are they knowing where to go? Why are they all together all the time? They've learned to, because they're free-ranging sheep. They're not farm flocks. You put a farm flock out in the field, they'll be all over the place. They won't be sticking together. But some sheepmen call those as woolly pigs because they're like pigs. You see? There's analogies in these. They know the pigs won't stick together. They just are interested in filling their bellies. So, but the point was is that in Israel, in Judea, at that time, they helped one another far away from them. But they were still in Jerusalem till the day that the Romans surrounded Jerusalem on all four sides, encompassed them round about. And then they left. 
And, of course, the Jews wouldn't let them take anything out. They'd throw John off the uh, the wall, and they were really against Christians. They hated Christians, which were simply followers of Christ, Jews who were following Christ, those in Judea, and especially in Jerusalem. And th- those people just went up to the Jews that were there and said, we want to leave, here's the deed to my house, here's my treasure, here's all my gold, here's all my silver, here's all my clothes, everything, it's in the house, it's yours, you guys can have it, all the food, it's yours, I just want to go out the door. And they said, okay, be gone. And another one went, and another one went. And many, many of them went, according to Josephus came out of the city of Jerusalem with nothing but the clothes on their back. And people couldn't believe that. And some of them, some people swallowed gold coins in order to get them out, and the Jews actually cut their bellies open to get the gold out, and they didn't survive. And Romans were ordered not to do that. Anybody who came out with nothing like that in their hands, just let them go free. They just had free ticket to go. Where did they go? They're they're having to leave their homes, their their wealth, everything. They left it all behind. Where did they go? They went into the womb and hands of the rest of the Christian network. And they knew where they were because they had been giving to one another for 30 years since the days of Christ, almost 40 years since the days of Christ, helping one another in times of need. They had created a well-disciplined network of charity bound together by love alone. Can you imagine that? Not bound together by ideologies and theologies and eschatologies and doctrines of men, but by the doctrine of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. What did Jesus do to love you? He fed you. He he freed you. This is the flesh of Christ. Are you loving one another? Are you freeing one another? Or are you too lazy to seek out the truth? So the question is, does God hate you? Are you selling your birthright like Esau? For that pot of red porridge benefits at the expense of your neighbor? At the expense of your brother? Well, then God hates you. Have you become a conquered people? Balaam, Nicolation, both mean the same thing. The error is that they they go into bondage like the days of Egypt. They reject God. They elect Saul's, and they go into bondage. And they become subjects, not free sheep on the range, but farm flocks. Fenced in, bound in by a fence of their own making. We need to turn around. We need to stop being too lazy to find the truth, and we need to actually seek out that truth and go another way. And we'll talk more about what that way looks like when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom.
Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation according to the Bible? Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapturous date? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It? and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, another news item that is part of the same theme, almost everything is a part of the theme of Seeking the Kingdom. Uh, but uh, this particular one this week was from uh, something sent to us. Actually, it was sent to me by a number of different people. But a lady by the name of Annie in Colorado wrote some scathing uh, comments about the right to vote. And she says, do you know when things really started to go literally to hell in this country? When women were given the right to vote, separate and apart from their husband. 
What a flipping disaster, she she writes this. This is when the war against marriage and the family began in earnest. It didn't begin there. She's admitting that, but it began in earnest. And it was taken less than 100 years for both institutions to be almost completely destroyed. And it all started with the damn suffrage. This is her words I'm quoting here. Here's the deal. Up until women's suffrage, a man was the head of his marriage and his household, and his vote represented not just himself but his entire family, including his wife and his children. When men voted, they were conscious of the fact that they were voting not just for themselves and their own personal interests, but they were also charged with the responsibility of discerning and making the ultimate decision about what is in the heart uh, and the best interest of the entire family. Wow, isn't that nuts when men men being responsible? Um, of course, they aren't all responsible, but real men are responsible. Males are not always responsible. They don't think with their heart and love of their wives and their families. They think with love of self. And this, of course, is not Christian. This is not the ways of Christ. Ways of Christ as you would be deciding. But she thinks that this country went to, to on this path to hell uh, when women were given the right to vote, when the reality is we can take it back, when men were given the right to vote because... If you read in Samuel, it says that the voice of the people, when they voted to have a king, chose to have a king, were desirous of a king, elected a king, that they were on their way back to the bondage of Egypt. And that makes it very clear that they would take and take and take and take and even take your daughters and sons away from you. And all that has happened because men were given the right to vote. So it wasn't just women, but at least from her perspective, perspective, I see her point. It's not the whole kingdom perspective, because men shouldn't even have the right to vote. Now, how do you run a government? Well, it's back to that seeking the kingdom, a government of righteousness, Christian government. You don't, your, your vote is your tithe. You choose the man you think is a good leader, doing righteousness, working daily to accomplish righteousness in your community, and you help them out. And it may be with the money. It may be with just some help. It may be you'll make some phone calls or you'll become an assistant. It's your responsibility how and when and what you do to seek the kingdom, not just for yourself but for others. And the kingdom of God is the right to be ruled by God. And you don't have the right to be ruled by God if you ask other men to rule over your neighbor. That man, if, he, if you give him the power to rule over your neighbor, you will also give him the power to rule over you. Then you will not be free. And that, how do you choose that man? You choose him by vote. You vote in this man to exercise authority one over the other. And guess what? You're trapped in the same net that you set to trap your neighbor. And how do they bind you in this? You eat at their table. True Christians should have a table of which they cannot eat. Because you can't eat things sacrificed to idols. 
which is where what was being sacrificed to idols? It was to provide the benefits of those temples. And see, you the voice of the people, whether men or women, you know, the, the by giving women the right to vote, you divided the family, and that's true. But by giving men the right to vote, you divided society. You separated society. Now society was at war with each other. Democrats against Republicans, red against greens. That's the way it was in, in Rome. Reds and greens. They warred against each other in sports and everything. And they divided them and the conquerors of the people. The Nicolaitan philosophy of conquering the people by offering them gifts, gratuities, and benefits won out. And Rome went from a free republic to an imperial dictatorship. And every country that seeks to force its neighbor to provide the welfare of its society, instead of doing like John the Baptist and Jesus said, to provide it out of love and pure religion. Everyone who goes that way of forcing their neighbor, coveting their neighbor's goods to the agency of government, is doomed. And you can't do anything about it. They're doomed. Moving out of the uh, cities is not the solution. The Christians stayed in the cities. Some of them did, stayed in the cities until the last day. And when they came out, they had a place to go. Their riches were not in their house or in their treasury or in the gastaphone. It was in their community of people who actually understood the message of Christ about self-sacrifice for one another and were willing to build not a stone temple with a stone here and a stone there and another stone slightly offset and build this big, huge stone temple. They built a living stone temple of people and relationships that were created because people would drive 500 miles, a 1,000 miles to sit down and talk kingdom, to organize themselves. And that's what, that's what we're doing. We're seeking the kingdom. And we're seeking it together because we are not going to be forsaking the gathering together. As is the custom of some. How many people have started a congregation of record at the last minute and said, Oh no, no, I don't think we need to gather together. We you know, we we've got our little congregation here maybe, that's what some do. They get their little congregation over here in Poughkeepsie. And they say, well, we got our congregation. You know, we get our sense of fellowship. And I see this out in the field. When we were driving down to the field the other day, there was two black-faced sheep, lambs, over with three other white-faced sheep. And they were spread out away from the rest of the flock. And I called out to them, hey! Which is, I, I'm not going to yell as loud as I yell. <laughs> We'll have the sound uh, dials going off the, uh, but I yelled this noise that they know. And they all looked up. And they got closer together to each other. 
and there were some other sheep on the other side that were also away from the main herd, and you could see them trotting down through the sagebrush to get back to the main herd. But this little group just came together as a little group. It didn't go join the rest. Oh, the coyotes just love those kinds of sheep. They'll get them and they'll just, they'll run right into them and they'll scatter because they're a little tiny flock of five sheep and one of them is going to end up to be a meal. Or two. Because <laughs> they're three heavy sheep. But, and I've seen it. Before. Now, these guys eventually, a couple more hollers, and I could see them starting to move down. But that's because they're learning. The ones that didn't learn end up being coyote hors d'oeuvres. And I see this happening with people all the time. They're divided. They have these little ministers, these pastors who say, oh, well, we've got our, con our little congregation. I got my little congregation. And they're not networking with anybody else, except for people who have their same eschatology. I only love those who have my eschatology. Tell me this, did the Good Samaritan and the guy in the ditch have the same eschatology? Doctrines? Isn't that the excuse that the Pharisee used to walk around the man in the ditch? And to leave them there, not our eschatology, not our doctrine, none of our business. But the Good Samaritan didn't say, oh, excuse me, sir, what's your eschatology? Before I help you, I want to know that you're a part of our church. If that is the Good Samaritan, why aren't your congregations gathering together with other congregations? All we're doing is gathering to be there for one another. You need to do that before you run off to your Montana wilderness refuge. If you don't have that, I don't want you coming here. If you aren't coming out of love for one another, don't bother coming because the Spirit of Christ is not in you. The Spirit of saving yourself is in you. The Spirit of escaping the woes of the world are in you, but not the love of Christ, not the flesh and blood of Christ. Because he didn't come to save himself. If you're going to Montana to save yourself, forget it. It's not that you're too lazy. It's that you're too foolish to seek the truth in the ways of Christ. Are you sacrificing daily? Do you give up some time, some energy, something today for the good of other people, even people you don't even know? Is that what you're doing? Or are you, you know, some people say, well, I don't, I'm not a part of the system. You mean you don't pay into the system. But do you pay into Christ's system? You see, so many people I've seen over the years, because we write about government, we write about, you know, the covenants of God, we tell why you owe the income tax. And if you owe it, pay it. And, and we show how the church should be separate 
you know, not a uh, 5 and 10, 23 form church. You should be a free church under God alone. The church is separate. That's no surprise. They write about it. You, you can find out more about the church being separate by reading the IRS pamphlets than you can by reading the eschatology of most churches. They are they have become a wicked bunch in most of these churches. A woman writes uh goes on Annie writes, uh, as soon as the nineteenth amendment was passed, men were effectively castrated and in many, many cases disenfranchised by their wives. No longer was the man the head of the household, no longer was he responsible for his wife. Now the wife was a co husband at best or a flat-out adversary at worst. The nation of man making a final decision about what was best for his wife and family per his God-given vocation as husband and father was now over. Now all he was good for was bringing home the bacon. But even that wouldn't last. She goes on to say that women are made with healthy, innate desire to provide for and protect the family. I know this because I am a woman, she says. Despite the pair of, uh, well, she goes on, I won't read all this. <laughs> um, uh, she goes on to say, Satan has used this healthy feminine dynamic perverted by suffrage to systematically replace men with the government as the provider in society. A woman no longer has any need of a man. Marriage no longer serves any practical purpose. A woman can whore around and have as many fatherless children as she pleases. And pimp daddy government will always be there to provide. Men have learned well from this, too. Men can also slot it up to their heart's content, knowing that the government will take care of the women and raise their children for them. Fathering children no longer binds a man to a woman in any way. Men didn't vote to uh, societal castrate themselves and never would have. No, in order for the system to have come about, women's suffrage was an absolute necessity. Women themselves voted the system into place, which objectifies and devalues both them and their children. So this one is pretty outspoken. He says, for you men who don't like my position, you're just a slave to political correctness. Anyway, what's happened is that we've become members of a gigantic family, a gigantic religious order under a vow of poverty. Nothing we own belongs to us anymore. We only have legal title. They can take away as much as they want because their order, the leaders of their order, exercise authority one over the other. They provide you with lots of benefits, but at what cost? The cost of freedom under God. Responsibility requires your effort, and you cannot have your rights back without taking back your responsibilities. 
And if you're going to be the government of God, you're going to have to network as a people. You're going to have to connect with one another in a systematic way. I can take the finger bones of a hand and I can spread them around on the desert. I can take the bones of the feet, the five metacarpals, the phalanges, the tibia, the fibula, the femur bone, and scatter them around on the desert so that they're all disjointed and not connected. But that's not a body. That's scattered bones. If you're going to have that body come together, it has to come together in a system. Can those bones come together in a system? called a body, a skeletal structure? Can flesh come onto those bones? Can you breathe life into those bones? Well, you can't, but God can. You can choose to be a part of that body. Or you can choose to reject that body and stay a scattered flock. You have lots of ministers who want to keep you a scattered flock. They want to keep you in their congregation. They want to keep you a member of their little group. They don't want you to be free and independent. They want you to be their congregation. This is my congregation. This is my church. That's not what you should be doing. You should be doing something completely different. So does God hate you? God wants to love you. But he He wants you to love him. And if you love him, you'll do his ways. You will be like the good Samaritan, taking care of one another. Not because you have the so-called right eschatology, because you're a righteous individual. Now, obviously, you're not supposed to be out there helping drug addicts stay drug addicts, which a lot of charities do. You know, a drug addict, he loses everything, spends all his welfare check on drugs, he has his party, goes around and fathers children, and then he's broke. But he can go to the, the mission, and the mission will feed him, and they will shelter him and get him through the next month so that he can start the process all over again when his welfare check shows up. And they call that charity. I'm sorry, folks. That's not charity. That's murder. You're killing that man and killing his soul. He needs to fall flat on his face and decide to repent. You know, there's a dissonance that takes place. Dissonance is aroused in the hearts and minds of people when they are confronted with information that is inconsistent with their beliefs. And people believe that they believe in Christ. And they believe that they're doing what Christ said. But they're actually doing the opposite. They're doing what makes the Word of God to none effect. Cognitive dissonance is basically when one believed uh, a reality collides with another reality and another fact, another piece of information that they didn't have. The pagan temples 
of Rome was the supplier of the welfare of Rome that took care of the widows and orphans and needy of their society. That's what those pagan temples were doing. And they were supported by government money. They registered birth certificates in the Temple of Saturn so that they would know who was eligible for benefits. Now, originally, Augustus provided a lot of those benefits. There were, there were some groups in Rome that were still trying to get back to this faith, hope, and charity that had made Rome great. It wasn't their constitution that made them great. It wasn't their system of electing senators and their, their system of senators electing a president. A principal civitas, first citizen, president of Rome, and eventually the commander-in-chief of Rome, they called the emperor. That's what wasn't what made the nation great. It was the fact that they came together and helped one another and protected one another and provided for one another. And family was at the core of that, the heart of the family. And and the women were revered because they kept the home fires burning in the hearth to provide healthy families, healthy sons and daughters, independent sons and daughters, who had this same sense, this gregarious sense of community. And if anybody was robbed, they came out with a hue and cry. If anybody was abused, they came out to their defense. Justice was what they had loyalty to, a sense of justice. We don't have that anymore. Our loyalty is to our benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. And Christ said we weren't to be like that. We were to have benefactors of the church that did not exercise authority because we were not to be like the benefactors of the world governments. We were to be the government of God that took care of one another out of faith, hope, and charity. It's as simple as that. And you don't take care of one another in your churches out of faith, hope, and charity. And if you have a congregation that supposedly does that, are you connected with a hundred other congregations doing the same thing? Are you tithing only to your minister in your little isolated congregation, your little scattered flock on the hillside that's not a part of the whole flock? I will hear you squeal when the coyotes come to your door. Because you have abandoned Christ in his church. His church, I don't have control over his church. I'm just telling you what it looks like. If you haven't found that yet, if you haven't become that yet, then you're not in his church. It's his church. It's not my church. But what it looks like is people caring about one another in congregations that have gone on record and saying, we're caring about these guys here, and we care about all these other congregations that are connected with us. And connected by what? Our honor. Our word. We'll be back the Keys of the Kingdom, and we'll tell you more about what the kingdom looks like when we return.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you read the history books, the most often asked questions of Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me. LibertyRadioLive.com Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, We're talking about the cognitive dissonance of modern Christians who have accepted a gospel short of the whole truth. And we need to be willing to seek that whole truth and provide for that whole truth. The whole truth is is that uh, we have become Christian uh, that do not do what the early church did. We've become Christians who are not doing what Christ said to do. We have become Christians who have more in common with the Nicolaitans and, and the Arabalam, more in common actually with the pagans. We have their holidays. We have their rituals. We have their Temple of Saturn. We call it the Bureau of Vital Statistics now. But we obtain our benefits not by sharing, not by faith, hope, and charity, But we go to men who call themselves benefactors, but take away from our neighbors. And we are foolish when we do that. We are baptized, but we are only baptized in the ways of the world. We are of the world. Our benefits are of the world. We eat of the red porridge of Esau. And God hates that when we do that. And because we do that, we have returned to the bondage of Egypt. But it's worse with us. In Egypt, we only had to pay one-fifth. And the government guaranteed our welfare. Today, we pay far more than that. And we are consumed 
and our children are consumed. And there's no going back. It will fall. And, and we talked about this earlier in Genesis 9-4, and it says, But the flesh with the life thereof. What is the life thereof of the flesh? It is the blood. That means that the blood is the life thereof. Ye shall not eat. You do not eat of the life of living flesh. You do not eat of the life of the living flesh of your neighbor. Leviticus 17.14 says the same thing. The life of the flesh, the blood of it, is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. How many, how many times can he say it? Deuteronomy 12:23. That thou not eat of the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life of flesh. But you eat of the blood of your neighbor, of the life of your neighbor. And you send men to his house to obtain it, to provide you with benefits, to take care of your widows and orphans. And you have a lot more widows and orphans than you know. Most children are born out of wedlock in single-family parents. Because there are no parents. Even though statistically it proves over and over again that children born in single families have a greater likelihood of going to prison, of getting into trouble, and becoming socially dysfunctional. It was considered unclean to eat of the blood. It's sacrificed to idols. This is what it is. When you got the benefits in these temples, it was based on forced contributions. Now, they had free will contributions in those temples. There was a huge transition that took place in the hundred years before Christ in Rome. You know, for 500 years, they had been a republic. They had taken care of their needy with free will offerings. Their, their armies were unpaid militia. Uh, they financed them to the Temple of Janus, which was really like a brokerage house. They didn't go and make foreign wars as much, but they did build these armies. But the armies, you are more likely to wield a shovel than a sword as a centurion because they were engineers building uh, aqueducts, building roads, building uh, dams, and, and mining whole mountains out for uh, financial enterprises, building ships the size of Noah's Ark. 400 years before Christ, trading ships that hauled thousands of tons of cargo, hundreds and hundreds of passengers, huge, gigantic ships. They were built. How did they do this? One man didn't build that. They knew how to work together. And everybody invested in building that ship, invested in sailing that ship. And they had shares of what profit it made, and it made them the richest nation in the world. But it was based on cooperatives, not corporations. Yeah. 
this is but that cooperation requires that people learn to come together like those sheep flocks I was talking about. They naturally come together because the Romans were range type people. Range sheep type people. They knew that they had to come together. They could not have thrown off the Tarquinian kings. They could not have become a republic unless they learned to work together. That's the treasure of the kingdom is learning to come together. And what will it require? Loving one another, forgiving one another, giving to one another, all the things that Christ preached. That's what you need. That is your refuge. Not Montana. Nothing against Montana, but that was what was mentioned in the article previously. <laughs> that is the refuge of the kingdom. That is your Basra. That is your fortress. In Leviticus 26:29, it says, And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. Are you doing that already? You look at the national debt. <laughs> your sons and daughters will be paying that off for their whole lives. They'll never pay it off because you've already eaten the flesh of your sons and your daughters. And why did they say that in, in Leviticus 26:29? Well, what did they say in Leviticus 26:27? And if ye shall not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I even, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sin. And you shall eat the flesh of your daughters and your, and, and your sons. And that's what you're doing. You've already, the voice of the people, have elected Saul after Saul after Saul and Rehoboam after Rehoboam. And they have whipped you with whips and now they whip you with scorpions. And they, they appoint their officers, and they take the first fruits of your labor, and they make their instruments of war, and they make your sons run before the chariots. Do you think there'll be another war here shortly? We, never, we have unceasing wars now. Jeremiah 19.9, And I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters, and they shall eat every one the flesh of his friend in the siege and straightness wherewith their enemies and they that seek their lives shall straighten them. You're eating the flesh of your neighbor. You're placing burdens on widows and orphans. You're stealing their houses through these tax systems. You're doing it. Oh, yes, you provide benefits. You take care. That's the thing. People want out of that system because they don't want to be stolen from. They don't want to be taken from. They don't want They want to get away from that. But do they want to get into the kingdom? Because in the kingdom, you have 50% taxation. Because you have to love your neighbor as much as yourself. That's equally. But the taxes is not all in gold and silver. It's in service. You have to actually take the time to gather together. 
What a pain that must be. I have to go down and gather with these other guys. I'd rather just sit here and veg out. No, you have to actually, you know, when the sheep are out in the field and they sense some kind of danger, they hear a noise. They actually have to come together with the others. Not just the ones that are in danger, but all the sheep come together. They don't just stand around and watch one of the sheep being devoured by a coyote. They all come together. They crush together. Someone said that the sheep have been known to actually come together so much that they would actually crush the wolf in the, between their wool. I, I don't know that that's actually true. I've never seen that. But I have seen them come together in an extremely tight group. We used to have a wild Mustang. We rode it all the time. It wasn't wild, but it was wild when I was born. But it was out there with the sheep. It eventually passed away. It was like 28 years old. <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, it would stand out there, and it was afraid of nothing. It seen it all. And uh, coyotes would come around, and those sheep would bundle up around that Mustang. You'd see this whole herd of sheep. And the Mustang with his four legs standing up in the middle of it. I mean, he couldn't even walk. They were all around him. And he'd just stand there calmly. He knew what was up. And, you know, the, that was a scary creature for the coyotes. So we didn't lose sheep to coyotes when that guy was out there. Now we have llamas. I don't know how the llamas will work out there. But the sheep still come together, and they stay together better. Occasionally they get apart. Do you know how to stay together as a people? Do we tie each of you together with a string, a rope, so you can't separate? We get you all ID cards and you can't travel anywhere unless you have this ID card to prove that you're a part of our flock. You know, it's interesting that the early church did have ID cards, uh, titlesses. And uh, they're mentioned in the Justinian Codes. And they, you know what they called it? The church ID? Logos. The word. But it was actually an identity paper issued by the church that you were a congregation to. We can do that. We're doing that now. And it was, it was in the code that they had to accept that. And they traveled around with that ID to identify them. But it wasn't a subjective ID. It didn't subject you. It didn't put you under the authority of the church because the church could not exercise authority one over the other because Christ said it wasn't to be that way with us. It was a free government. It could not force your taxes. It could not force your tithes. It, Levites were not kicking in your door to provide for one another. You just did it because you loved one another. That's a free society. Not someone who just runs off, you know. Like I say, Moses didn't take him to the edge of the desert and one at a time and say, okay, you're free, run for it. Okay, next. Okay, you're free, run for it. Joshua, Moses, they showed the people how to come together as a society, bound together by what? Covenants, contracts, and constitutions? No, by faith, hope, and charity. By honor. By love for one another. That takes time to build that. Not love for one another's eschatology, but love for one another. Pretty simple stuff. 
Can you do that? Can you be a part of that? Ezekiel thirty-nine seventeen, And thou son of man, thus saith the Lord God, Speak unto every feathered fowl, and to every beast of the field, Assemble yourselves, and come, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice. And I do sacrifice for you. That's who he died for. He didn't die for you scattered flock people. You run out and do your own thing, people. Gather together in your little congregation of back-scratching, self-serving individuals. He sacrificed for the those that assembled themselves and come together. Sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountain of Israel, that ye may eat flesh and drink blood. See, you can you can eat blood and drink flesh that is freely given, because it's no longer the flesh and blood of he who gave it, because they gave it up entirely. It's when you take the blood of your neighbor to benefactors to exercise authority that you go the way of Balaam. Ezekiel thirty nine eighteen, you shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of goats and bullocks, all of them fattening of Basra. When? When will you do that? Because they will fall. They will descend into the pit and die. But will you go with them? Will you hide out in Montana? Again, I'm not picking on Montana. <laughs> you know, hide out in your little cave in the wilderness. One of the first newsletters I put out, it had cartoon on it. it you know, a little picture where I drew a picture of a cave and had a little sign out front of the cave. And you could see little eyeballs peering out of the dark black part of the cave. And on the little sign, it looked like that, you know, Intel inside uh, emblem, same kind of print. But it said, free man inside. You know, you run out and you save yourself. You've saved nothing. You've saved trash. You have to be like Christ. It comes to save others. Simple stuff. Kingdom stuff. Micah 3 3. Who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin off them. That's why they're still alive. And they break their bones and they chop them in pieces for the pot. And as flesh within the cauldron. What are they talking about? You know, if you read uh, employee versus uh, enslaved versus employee in um, Covenants of the Gods, you will see several quotes in the Bible that talks about pots and cauldrons. And you will also see quotes by the people who put together the Social Security system, referring to the Earth, uh, to the United States as a cauldron. And you see, that's where you put your flesh in the cauldron while you're still alive. 
you put your neighbor in the cauldron and you eat from him. He doesn't have any choice anymore. His freedom is gone. He has to give. Because he's in the pot. Christians were not in the pot. They could eat of the flesh of Christ and of each other only when it was freely given. Because then it was given. It's not their flesh anymore. They gave it up entirely. Simple stuff. They're telling you how it works in the kingdom. And I'm telling you that that's not what you're doing. That's not even what you're seeking. They're seeking to elect somebody who will give you the benefits that you want for the price that you want. It's a slave market. That's what you're voting on. It's a slave market, and you're all on the auction block. Because you will put your neighbor on the auction block, you will be on the auction block. And why did he say that in Micah 3.3? Because in Micah 3.2 he said, Who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. What we are seeking is the dry bones to come together and put flesh on the bones willingly to be the government of God where each family is a unit in the kingdom that chooses daily to do the will of God by loving one another in a personal sacrifice based on righteousness. Specifically, the righteousness of God. Not self-righteousness, but the righteousness of God. Can you do that? Do you want to do that? Do you want to seek that society? Or not? Because the society that you have found and found yourself a part of is in a bad way. And it's going to get in a worse way. Zechariah 11.9 then said, I, I will not feed you. That, that death, let it die. And that, that is to be cut off. Let it be cut off. And let the rest eat everyone the flesh of another. He's going to let you do this. He's going to let you be cut off. He's going to let you die. Why did he say that? He told you that if you, the voice of the people, go and elect these benefactors who can exercise authority. When you cry out, I will not hear you in that day. And he will let you go into perdition. Now, he, I mean, what more do you want? Christ died so that you would understand that you give life so that you have life more abundant. Zechariah eleven sixteen. For lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that are cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that that is broken, nor feed that that standeth. 
that he shall eat the flesh and the fat and tear their claws in pieces. Now, the word claws there is an interesting Hebrew word. Uh, it it actually has to do with, uh, you know, forms of the word beauty and forms of the word of uh, splendor. And he will tear it to pieces, tear your splendor to pieces. And that's what's happening. Go look at the news. It's happening already. And it's happening because your churches are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're saying you're saved because you believe in their ideology, eschatology, and doctrines. But you don't have to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is that you take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and stop praying to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. It's pretty simple stuff. And this is the dissonance that you're feeling, the collision of ideas. But I know I'm saved. They said I was saved at church. You know, it was up on the big screen that I was saved. And we sang and we all felt really good. But you're not saved. You could be saved in an instant. But you've got to turn around and turn away from the ways of the Nicolaitans and the ways of Balaam and the ways of death and the ways of sin and the ways of covetousness. You have to go another way. You know, most of the adultery in the Old Testament, most of the time when they talk about adultery, they're talking about national adultery. National fornication. In Malachi 3 5, adulterers are, uh, adulterers are associated with those that oppress the hirelings in his wages. What does that have to do with sexual adultery? That has to do with raping your neighbor by making a covenant. Marriage was a covenant. The emphasis is on relationship. But today, the covenants that we make, the emphasis is on contract. Contract with America. Contract with the Queen of England. I don't care what country you're in. I'm not political. I'm not interested in affecting their politics. They are there to punish the wicked. Who are the wicked? Those that pray to them for benefits. Say, give us red porridge made from the blood of my brothers because I will eat freely of the blood of my brothers so that my belly will be full. And you wonder why your your government, your world, your economy is in trouble? Zechariah 11.6, For I will no more pity the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord, but lo, I will deliver the men, every one, into his neighbor's hands and into the hands of his king, and they shall smite the land, and out of their hand I will not deliver them. He's not going to hear you. He's not going to deliver you until you repent, consistently repent. And you got to start somewhere. Take a minister. Pick a contact minister to find a congregation. You know, okay, you don't want to do it with us, do it with somebody. 
Stop serving yourself. Start serving others. Zechariah 11.8. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month, and my soul loathed them, and their souls also abhorred me. Then said I, I mean, talk about hating. He loathed their souls. These are the shepherds that you have chosen. You know, those ones that are going to bring this curse upon you. These are your leaders. Then said I, I will not feed you that that diet. Let it die. That is to be cut off. Let it be cut off. Let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. Let them do that. You know? And this is where you see, and I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder. Back to that claw word. It's not the same exact word, but it's part of it. If you know the letters, you can find the meaning. And I might break my covenant, which I had made with all the people. You break your covenant with him, he can break, he, he can separate that covenant out. You broke it. It's a two-way street. He doesn't have to, he's keeping his word. If you, if you go and elect this Saul, you're going to have the Saul. I'm going to let you do that. You guys are all out there trying to elect I don't like this Saul. I want this Saul. I want this David. I want this Absalom. I want this Rehoboam. Who wants Christ in the ways of Christ? Zechariah 11:15. And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee yet the instrument of a foolish shepherd. When was Saul foolish? When he forced the sacrifice of the people for a good cause but he forced the sacrifice and Samuel said you have done this foolish thing the instrument of the foolish shepherd for lo I will raise up shepherds in the land which shall not visit those that are cut off and that's what's happened because you have followed the foolish shepherds Zechariah 11.10, and took my staff. But anyway, we'll read more about this when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. But you're starting to see a pattern here uh, that we have followed time and time again, and we need to repent from that pattern. And we're going to talk a little bit about what you can start doing in your local areas to seek the kingdom of God.
I pledge allegiance to the King of kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and a heavenly Father, great mercy, justice for all. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines, 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars, too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're talking about eating the flesh of our neighbors, eating the flesh of our people, eating the flesh of one another, eating, drinking blood of the living, you know, like vampires. I mean, there is that vampire spirit, and people are doing that. They're devouring one another, and they have empowered the benefactors who exercise authority, the souls of the world, 
And we have lots of programs that are already discussing this. You can find them on our uh, archive sites. Uh, and, you know, they're categorized, the Saul Syndrome and the Feet of Society and et cetera, et cetera. And this one was going to be categorized as God hate you. God wants you to love one another. If you don't love one another, if you devour one another, he hates that. That's it. Simple as that. If you sell your birthright for benefits, he hates that. If you desire to eat the red porridge, the blood red porridge of Esau, he hates that. It's bad enough that you, you offer that to one another. You have leaders that do that, the wicked shepherd, but you, you actually partake of that. So what do you partake of instead? If you can't go to those benefactors who exercise authority, who do you go to? Well, Jesus was showing you how to take care of one another. John the Baptist was saying, you know, if you don't have what you need and someone else does, share. Charity. Perfect law of liberty. Free will offerings over and over again. Old Testament. Whole thing. Old Testament. Not the offerings of the Pharaoh, the free will offerings that are not selling yourself into bondage. So Jesus is talking about this from day one, seeking the kingdom, righteousness, charity, not going to the wicked servants, but going in love to one another like the Good Samaritan. And he says in John uh, six fifty one, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He gives of himself, not to be free, but to give. Is Christ in you? Are you giving of yourself that other men may be free? Free of what? Having to apply to benefactors who exercise authority who will bring you back into the bondage of Egypt? Are you doing that in a way that is efficient and practical? How many times has your heart beat today? Every few seconds it beats. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. What happens if it stops beating? For a minute. Even for a few seconds, you'll feel boom in your heart. And for a minute, you'll feel nothing. <laughs> you'll be dead. You have to give regularly, consistently, just like your heart beats. Like Christ gives consistently, sufficiently. His love is sufficient. His way is sufficient. Are you going his way? Are you following his way? He wants you to be saved, but you must seek his way. John 6:52 The Jews therefore strove amongst themselves saying, "How can this man give us his flesh to eat?" They didn't understand. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, ye have no life in you. 
And he's being cryptic, metaphoric. But we know that you're not supposed to eat of the flesh of one another in the blood of one another in these systems where you sell yourself in the bondage and you eat of the flesh pots of Egypt. And he's saying you have to eat of his flesh. What's his flesh? And this is really simple. It's not complicated. We talk about creating congregation of record, and you pick a minister who you think is doing the work of Christ, and you give him an offering that you seek to give to Christ. You know, like the old comedy joke where, you know, the rabbi and the uh, priest and the Presbyterian got together, and they said, well, how do, how do you divide the offering? And one draws a little circle and throws the money up in the air, and what falls inside the circle he keeps for himself. And the other one draws a big circle and he throws the money up in the air in the church and whatever falls outside the circle he keeps for himself. Whatever falls inside he gives to God. And then the rabbi says, I go into the church and I throw it up in the air and I figure whatever God wants he can keep. But that isn't... It all belongs to God. The, the, the Levites can eat of that offering. That's how they sustain themselves, because they are working daily in faith, hope, and charity for the kingdom, which means their health, education, and welfare. But what you give to that minister doesn't really belong to him. It belongs to God. It's Christ's. It's his flesh. It's given up entirely. What was your blood and flesh given to him for Christ, now is Christ's flesh and blood. And he is responsible to share it with you. Feed himself, feed his family, because he's working at this daily instead of going out and making himself rich. He's given himself over to Christ. He's given everything he has over to Christ. And he works daily. If you don't think he's doing that, don't give to him. Because he's not doing that. If you think a man is doing that, give to him. Support him in the effort of bringing you together as a flock of Christ. Because what you give to him belongs to Christ. And now, when he gives you a benefit based on what you have given to him, when he gives benefits to others, they are eating the flesh and blood of Christ. This is the Eucharist of Christ. Eucharist means thanksgiving. It means that when you give to the minister that you believe is doing the work of Christ, providing health, educational welfare in Christ's kingdom in righteousness, not by force, like the other systems of the world do, but by free will offerings, you are giving thankful for the opportunity of giving. Thanksgiving, Eucharist of Christ. Christ gave willingly. Are you giving willingly to take care of the needs of your community? No. Now, some of you actually are paying taxes willingly and, and gladly because you see that it's important, and that's great. But you have to realize that you have made covenants now that you have to give, even if they're out killing 50 million babies, even if they're invading innocent countries and bombing millions of people. You have to be a part of that because you've made a covenant with them, because you wanted a guaranteed benefit. And I know some of you didn't care about that. You just did what you thought was right because you have had shepherds in this nation who are the foolish shepherds. 
and said, yeah, let's do it this way. Let's bind ourselves together. Let's work privately for the blood of our neighbors, like it says in Proverbs. Let's all have one purse. Let's create a social estate. It runs towards death, but don't bother with that, that it tells you that in the Bible. And now you're trapped in that net. I understand that. But know this, the net will fail. The system will burn. It will go down. Start seeking the kingdom of God. Start coming together in the little ways. Your ministers will not be health, educational, welfare now, but they can become that as you move with them in the right direction. Your lost sheep, scattered bones, can you come together and become that flesh of Christ? And you can eat freely of the flesh of Christ. You must eat of the flesh of Christ. This free will offering system of faith, open charity. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. That's what we need to become. That is where you get eternal life. When he was asked, what do you do to get eternal life? Keep the commandments. What commandments? Things like, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You are bound in the unrighteous mammon. But it doesn't mean you can't turn around and start moving towards the righteous mammon. You can. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 eight, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, adversary of Christ, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, the faith of what? Free will offerings. Perfect law of liberty, faith, hope, and charity, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We will have the same temptations. We need to turn around and change from those temptations. Now, we're going to have feasts here at his church at Summerlay. We're going to have a fall festival this year uh, the last week of September and the first week of October but every year probably be around September and the, those feasts and you can join and, and give us your input is what would be most convenient to you but those who work it the most have the greatest say <laughs> we will we will decide when these feasts are going to take place based on the leading of the Holy Spirit and the communion we have with each other and with God. And we call it the Burning Bush Festival, and you can find out more about it at burningbushfestival.org. And uh, you can also find out more about it on the network. But we would like this to become, we got lots of room. We'd like this to become a bigger and bigger event, and we'd like to start seeing you having other events in your local areas and different parts of the country. But it, we're going to seek to draw together those people who will seek to be the government of God, to care for one another in righteousness. And 
we have to realize that this the fornication and adultery with the world and the systems of the world is what you know has been uh, talked about more than almost anything else in the Bible. Second Chronicles twenty one eleven. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit fornication and compel Judah. Compel Judah. What was that all about? These are these are systems that we we fornicated with, adulterated with, to provide for us instead of the ways of God. Isaiah twenty three seventeen, and it shall come to pass after the end of seventy years that the Lord will visit Tyre and she shall turn to her hire and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. Again, these words, fornication and adultery, don't just have to do with sex. It has to do with relationships. Ezekiel 16:26, Thou hast also committed fornication with the Egyptians, thy neighbors, great of flesh, and hast increased thy whoredom to provoke me to anger. You were never to give treaty-making powers to the king because they would fornicate with other nations who do not do according to the ways of God. Now, so many nations follow after the ways of the adversary, of forcing their neighbors. So many nations have gone the ways of Saul and rejected God that you can't even imagine the government of God anymore of people actually living together, bound by nothing but faith, hope, and charity. There is faith. There is righteousness. There is no righteousness in spousing doctrines or singing songs. You have got nothing to sing about. You don't know the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And you need to learn that. And you learn by doing and you learn by actively seeking that. So anyway, we got less than 15 minutes in the show left. I don't know if there's any callers and any word in the chat room. Uh, are they alive and well out there, Paul? <laughs> alive and well. Yeah, we got WW spouting off ad, ho- ad hominem attacks in the chat room. <laughs> but there was a question. Um Somebody's wondering on getting to the Burning Bush Festival, what's the best airport to fly into? Best airport is the Bend Redmond Airport. And we have people that are talking about coming into the Bend Redmond Airport. Um, and uh, if you coordinate your flights, you can probably rent a car together and get out here. Uh, we could pick up some people, but we have a limited, you know, we, we can't be running around everywhere. We're going to try. Time is going to be, uh, it's about 120 miles from here, uh, and that's the closest airport. Uh, if you fly into Portland, there's usually little shuttles that will take you to the Ben Redmond Airport. If you fly into Reno, the same thing, but that's the best one. And they have car rentals there, and they're 
we've had people fly in there before, even into the Portland airport, and because we coordinated through the network, we were able to get them rides that brought them right to uh, the place, and uh, a lot of fellowship in those rides, so that's that's something, that's why the network is there, that's why you have contact ministers to help coordinate these things. <laughs> and if your contact minister's not doing it, fire him and pick him up. <laughs> So, uh, uh, anyway, so I'm missing all those ad hominem attacks <laughs> from, uh, I can't remember who that guy is right now, uh, but I, I know who you're talking about, but uh, he's been around. But uh, was there something else? No, no, it's just a green. Okay. Well, if there are any questions in there, you guys know the drill. You just type them out, put some question marks about them so the moderator can check that. And and there is a telephone number uh, that you can call if you want to ask a question, uh, 559-726-1300, 559-726-1300. And then you have to type in the little code, 795-132. 795132 and then star 6 if you have the question. But you're running out of time. Uh, so, anyway, uh, this, uh, this is going to be a part of an article uh, I've been working on, and it may be a series of articles, because it's, it's really important that people understand that these temples in Jerusalem were actually doing exactly what your government buildings are doing in whatever country you're in Australia, United States, England, Canada. Uh, they were registering births and providing benefits. And what Christ was doing was setting up a system, what John the Baptist was doing was setting up a system where people came together in free congregations, free assemblies, and they took care of one another's needs through faith, hope, and charity. And this was the Eucharist of Christ. This was eating the flesh of Christ because what was given was given to Christ. It was offerings to him. This is what the church was doing. They actually did this fairly well for about 100 years, but you wouldn't know it from the history that you're allowed to study today because the victor writes history for himself. And you would think that uh, the church that we see today are, are a product of early Christ church, but it's actually a product of the apostate church. It's the daughters of the apostate church that actually made war on the true church, and uh, about a thousand years ago, started devastating them and killing off the true church by millions. And this was all prophesied that they would raise up after a thousand years, and almost to the day, a thousand years after the fall of Jerusalem, they raised up and started appointing kings over people and murdering anybody who were uh, doing anything contrary to them. And then out of that, the Protestant churches were born. Now, many of the churches, the births of many of the Protestant churches were done by men who were really seeking the truth and seeking to find the whole truth. And some of them were actually finding it. And, of course, and some of them got burned at the stake and uh, uh, were murdered again. But now we're at a point where it's time that we begin to repent and turn around and go the ways of Christ and the ways of the kingdom ways of righteousness and take care of one another. And it's all done by free will offerings, and you have to choose. 
And if we aren't using funds you give according to the way you think Christ would use them, don't give to us. Now, you may have to keep giving to the benefactors who exercise authority, but there will come a time when you can leave that those cities and you're going to need the refuge of the living network of the kingdom. You know, these, you know, this living altars of the kingdom to find your way in this wilderness. That is where your treasure will be because you've learned to give willingly and freely to those in need and those who serve those in need. Because right now you're giving to those who serve themselves. And all these prophecies that I've been talking about, all these quotes, they're talking about it. You'd be eating the flesh of each other, eating the flesh of your children, your unborn children's flesh is eaten up already in debt. And there's no salvation from that debt, but destruction. And destruction is coming. But we shouldn't turn towards God out of fear alone. Fear in the sense of fear not being righteous, you know, because you actually don't. You know, a lot of us, we want to do what's right. But our, our foolish shepherds are not teaching us what is right. They're teaching us, you know, vote for this Saul. <laughs> vote for this Paul. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, nothing against Ron Paul, but uh, if he got elected, he probably would have been tempted like Saul. <laughs> Could have drove him crazy if he wasn't shot before he got to the White House. That's not the solution. The solution is to turn around, repent, and seek the ways of the kingdom. I wish I could load the chat room. I just love to hear what the, the ad hominems are. <laughs> did, you, did you have any comments at all that you wanted to make before we run completely out of time in the last few minutes of the show? No, I just put it to him to uh, see if he had any questions of substance that we could answer. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I must have said, I noticed that myself saying it about four or five times. This is simple. It's not complicated. This is not, you know, sure, I can I can quote all kinds of stuff. I can point out, you know, that there was an annual tribute uh, that was paid and uh, how it worked and that, the, you know, the benefactors, uh, the conscripti patres, the uh, conscripted fathers, uh, how Augustus was called the father of the nation, and Jesus comes along and says, call no man father, but my father in heaven. Well, then how are we going to operate? Well, through faith, open charity, by coming together in free assemblies, not forsaking the gathering together, you know, like free rain sheep who gather together and organize themselves. And if they choose not to go with this group, nobody comes in and beats them over the head. They choose daily. That's freedom. That's scary. Be not afraid of the liberty. It says in Romans 13. Be not afraid of the liberty uh, of choosing and making these righteous choices and taking care of one another. You can do it. Again, it's simple stuff. It's so basic. I know a lot of you are, are starting to see it, but you obviously you can see like WV or whatever his name is, WW. Uh, he can't see it. He's just blind. He, he can't see the kingdom. He's so angry, so full of anger. He's just not going to get it until he comes to peace with that. So that's my cheap shot at him. <laughs> it's not at him, but it's 
It's love for one another. Thanks for being there, Paul. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bless you, everyone. Bless you, everyone. Okay. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.